Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Woff. Welcome to a new year and a new show of sorts. It's been redesigned a little bit. Maybe you've noticed the opening is a little different. Maybe, Maybe. Uh, you heard Kickstart earlier in the week and it was a little different. Or two weeks ago. <laughs> or whenever it was. I don't know when you're listening to this, damn it. So, you know. Right. It's like Slither we dropped last week. That was our first uh, big release of the uh, new year. Um, but this is the first one we've actually recorded after the new year started. Right. Oh, and yes. so that's probably why I sound like I'm saying welcome to the new year because, well, technically for us it is <laughs> now, finally. Right. Because last, yes. Yes. <laughs> if you uh, have our listener to the show and you listen to the show in the last year, you know that the movie we're going to talk about today was on our list of things to see in the movie theater in January of 2020. I mean, this movie we both were really, really pumped about and neither of us saw it in the theater because life was life because you're in production. I was in re- prepping for Super Bowl and then the world changed. Correct. Soon after that. And... Um, and there you go. But fast forward to later in the year, in 2020, this movie started hitting the streaming services. And I saw it for the first time, I think, was it October? Something like that. And it's one of those movies I was instantly bummed that I didn't see in the theater. Like, I mean, flashing back seven months, eight months, I was like, fuck, man, I really wish I would have seen this there. Because it really lends itself to a, a, a big screen in this case, in the home theater, it's a, you know, I got a big screen. We're fairly close to it. And the sound is, the sound design in this movie is so amazing. But we'll get to that in a minute. We are covering 2020's Underwater from William Eubank. William Eubank. Now, William hasn't done a whole lot. But the previous movie, and I really enjoy the shit out of, is 2014's The Signal. Because it works in a way that you just don't expect. And in a lot of ways with this movie underwater where there's so many familiar aspects and things that seem like you've been there before. Right. It works in a way that, and William does certain things to it that makes it feel new. And I think we both appreciate this movie, even though we, (laughs) the same way, even though we both went into it kind of going, oh, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. Yeah, absolutely. But it's one of those few times where those ingredients actually work together. Usually those stews don't work well, but it works really well with this. Yeah. I mean, this movie feels like it could have come out in the summer of 1989 with three other films I could name. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, what, what's cool about this film man, is they don't waste a lot of time. No. Uh, you know, they don't waste a lot of time with the setup. We, we didn't have to sit through, you know, 25 minutes of them talking and introducing everybody before shit hits the fan. The right. shit hits the fan pretty much right out of the gate on this. Right. Uh, which, you know, I don't know if that was an editing choice or if that was the script or, or, or you know, or, or a combination of all, all of it, you know. But uh, it certainly did make for an exciting first five minutes. <laughs> yes. Right? I yes. mean, yeah. I, I, was, uh, I, I was convinced it was a dream, uh, you know, that she was going to wake up, you know, staring at herself in the mirror in the bathroom. And, you know, it, it was a, like a precog or something, you know. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. So, I, I, as we mentioned, it's, it's a William Eubanks directed film. Um, it's written by, it's co-written by two different, uh, two different dudes. Uh, Brian Duffield, who, whose work you may know from the two Babysitter movies. Well, he EP'd the second one, but he wrote the first one. And also Love and Monsters, which is also from last year. And Spontaneous. This man (laughs) had three, really four big-ass movies last year. And considering the limited ability people had to see in these movies, 
Loving Monsters and Spontaneous and Underwater all ended up on a lot of people's top 10 lists, which is pretty crazy to have written all three of those movies. Co-writing uh, credit goes to uh, Adam Kozad, who who also did Bloodshot last year. And he uncredited like in script doctoring work, but he also did uh, The Legend of Tarzan just a couple of years before this, four years, three or four years before this. And uh, that Jack Ryan, attempted Jack Ryan reboot in 2014 with uh, Chris Pryan. That whole thing. Oh yes. Yeah. Right. 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 So, so there you go. The, the, I mean, you got two dudes that you know made, had more than one impactful movie last year, except for let's be honest, man. Brian Duffield really kind of <laughs> ran the gamut of uh, movie releases last year for things that he penned. Pretty awesome. Yeah, man. But and also, this is something we talked about before we hit uh, record. Is uh, Bohem Baselli is the DP in this? Right. And Holy shit. You own, and I'm not going to even get into if you don't know him, that whole conversation. I like to spit out a lot, but holy shit, dude. You know his work. You know his work. You own at least four or five of these movies. Hell, we've talked about 10 of them in the last two months. <laughs> his, the first thing he ever did was ironically for Mr. Abel Ferrer, and that was China Girl. That came out the year I graduated from high school, and I remember coming out going, what's this movie about? And then I saw it, and of course, it's just Romeo and Juliet, but man. For a first-time movie, that's impressive, dude. Really is. Starring a very young James Russo as well. Yes. My goodness, man. A long, long time ago. And uh, he's he, Pumpkinhead, for those of you, for the genre people out there, right? The Ring. The Ring. He did. And again, this wasn't the first time he worked with, with Stan Winston. He worked with Stan on uh, A Gnome Named Gnome. A Gnome Named Norm. <laughs> uh, he used to never, never tripped over it before. That was the first time. Uh, somebody has to shoot the picture. Well, and, and of course, fast forward to After the Ring, he worked with you on Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Doug Lyman. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, yes. Yep. I mean, yeah, we did Body Snatchers. He's done a ton of stuff that, you know, California, I mean, which we just talked about a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. it's Six Underground, which I just talked about from 2019. Yeah, Deep Cover, Larry Fishburne. I mean, dude, it's the list goes on and on. I mean, you've and, seen and his in, work. In Boxing Helena, which we just talked about, <laughs> came out the same year that, again, we talk about Body Snatchers, California, Boxing Helena, all 93. Yep. So this dude knows how to work. Surviving yeah. the game with Ernest King Dickerson. Of, we King t- of New York. We, again, we could have a whole episode about Bohan because he's his work is is vast and just seriously, and go out there and watch his stuff. Again, for, and, and you know, the highly underrated Lone Ranger, Bohan. The man. Bohan. Yeah, man. Totally. I was shocked when I saw his name. I was like, holy shit, man. Yeah. 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 He's, and, and I was like, and it wasn't until my recent viewing of it uh, for the show that I thought, Oh my gosh, I missed your name entirely the first two times. If you guys haven't seen Underwater yet, um, hopefully uh, this will entice you to want to see it. But again, like so many other underwater movies like this, it you know borrows liberally from a whole slew of things, but it also makes it its own at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and I think that you know one of the things you know it's very limited cast, obviously you yeah. know like this type of but I mean but there's not a bad performance in the movie. Right. Is 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 one of the uh, you know and maybe this is the you know what, who we have we have Kristen Stewart, Vincent Cassell, and Jesse Henwick, T.J. Miller, uh, John Gallagher. Um, I, I always have a difficult time pronouncing his name because I've seen him in so many things recently. 
I guess Mamudu, right? Mamudu Athi. Yes, I think yeah. that's correct. Yeah, and he's and he's the second person you see <laughs> in the whole yeah, entire movie. Totally, and he's great. And I mean, he's, he's yeah, he's he's really good. And it's funny as as much as this movie borrows from those other movies. Once the the big event happens in the beginning that kind of sets it all off, it becomes alien. Yep. It's it's very it's a very minimal minimal crew minimal cast. I mean, it comes down to. And we're picking up people along the way too. So that's, what's kind of cool, but it does cap off at the, the usual five or six individuals, right. you know, just, it's just because it doesn't need to be more. It doesn't need no. to be more than that. Anyway. So it just kind of starts off with Kristen Stewart <laughs> just, and she's got a little VO, which, which, which was kind of interesting. And she's just brushing her teeth, which seems like forever. And like you and I talked about previous, it really felt like because of what was happening, it felt very dreamlike. Because right. it, it, it was shot in a really weird way and not weird, but an unusual way, super tight, you know, and you get a lot of that in this movie. You get a lot of ECUs in this movie. Well, they're definitely building that claustrophobic yeah. feel right from yeah. the opening, from the first shot of her. Yeah. The, 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 the one lone time that you see a wide shot, let's put it this way. Once the, once the main event happens and the movie's going, it's all super tight the rest of the way, you know, whatever whatever air that, that, that Eubank was trying to give you, he takes, he just takes it away. <laughs> and he's really good about throughout the whole movie doing this too. He'll give you a little bit more oxygen and he'll take it away. It's really, it's really creative. Yeah. Well, it also, I mean, I feel like this, what this movie does really well is it really makes you feel like you are in this with them and it creates the suspense, the tense, the, the uh, anticipation of what's going to happen, you know, the claustrophobia. I mean, you know, right. it's, it's, it's a, it's pretty immersive. You know, uh, I saw it in a theater in Texas um, back in January of last year, and then I hadn't watched it again until last night. And I have to say on the second viewing, watching it on a smaller screen at home, it's even kind of more intimate and personal. You really feel like you are immersed you know, six miles under the ocean. <laughs> right. And like, unlike the other movies we talked about from 89 or any under these water mo underwater movies like this, I never felt that claustrophobia in those movies. And, you know, you never really sold it. Even, even when you see the abyss with the whole liquid oxygen thing that they do the whole time. And I, I never, I never kind of went, Oh man, you know, when you're at the bottom of the pool swimming and you realize you're running out of breath, you got to <laughs> scream for the the surface. It's that for 90 minutes. Yeah, totally. I mean, the thing that for me, the, the, like the one thing that works really well, I, the, you know, I, I feel that weird fear of, um, imploding, uh, <laughs> the pressure, it, you know, you yeah. literally, you're feeling the fucking pressure as you're watching it. And I want to say that also, you know, a lot of that's due to the camera work. I, oh, yeah. I think this film is probably shot better than any of those other three movies. Agreed. Um, you know, and maybe it's because those other three movies exist and they said, well, let's do this, this and this, but let's not do this, this and this, you know, let's, let's up our game, you know, because there was a point where I was watching it and it literally felt like I was on some kind of crazy ride. Like, um, like I was sitting, I was like on a ride yeah. going through this, like at Universal Studios, like at the, like at the mummy ride, yet it was under, it was the underwater ride, right. you know, and it, it's, it, it's, uh, it moves along at a nice clip. Um, you know, things happen, you know, unexpected shit happens. Like, you know, I don't want to give anything away for people right. who haven't seen it, but, um, you know, you're certainly going to get your money's worth. 
<laughs> yes. I mean, the whole premise, I mean, the, the, the moment that I keep talking about is, you know, this is an, uh, an underwater team. There's of 300, something like 316 person crew, something like that. And they're in this underwater drilling facility. In the Mariana Trench where apparently you should never go. <laughs> right. And, and, if, and if you know the location of the Mariana Trench, which is southeast of Japan and just east of China, way out in the Pacific, you can kind of have an idea where this movie goes, <laughs> considering the, the waters out there and what they're known for, right? Correct. In movie land? Yes. So this whole facility is struck by a giant earthquake as we're seeing the Nora, uh, Kristen Stewart's character, brushing her teeth with her VO, talking about <laughs> being underwater and... And just life in general. And all of a sudden, just this explosion hits right when she starts to notice this slow leak appear out of nowhere of water just coming down from the ceiling above her. And then the place just explodes and starts filling up. And she's running down the hallway to try to to alert everybody that's still asleep because obviously it's in the middle of the night. But perfectly set up the fact that this woman is not sleeping. She doesn't sleep. Do and how great is the camera work as she's running oh, through that hall, dude. dude, and her sliding, sliding under things and falling and trying to keep her footing. And, uh, you know, as opposed to the, uh, you know, usually what you get is you get somebody running down the hallway and then somebody running behind them with a camera. But, um, uh, you know, I, I love the way they got super creative because that was, again, it, it really just sort of creates chaos. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, is this, you know. Is it, that again is why I'm thinking, is this a dream? Is she, is this all really happening? Right. Is, or is she going to, is she going to snap out of it? Like, you know, 30 seconds before it really happens, you know, it, they did a really nice job of sort of creating that right from the get go, right. creating confusion. I'd never seen it quite like that. You know, the sliding, the falling, the getting up, the hurt, you know, it's uh, you know, it's quite an opening. And one of the most terrible moments in there is, People trying to run to safety, the people that she just woke up and they're running to safety. And she, for the sake of the whole rig going under and exploding and imploding in this case, she has to lock it down and essentially killing people. And it's fucking heartbreaking for people. You don't even know her yet. You don't know the people are dying. You're right away just because you're still in that panic mode. Like, what the hell is happening? And boom. It's just the two of them who we just mentioned before. Dude, when they see those other two people fucking off in the distance with, <laughs> you know, I was, uh, that was, that was, that was a great shot too. Yeah. You know? And then, and then suddenly, boom, it is just the two of them. Yeah. You see it a lot in this. And, and of course, some of the diving suits will, you'll see later on. It's just things that you haven't seen before. And another thing, why, why, even though the world feels familiar, but it also makes it its own, which is really, again, the key point to this movie and why it stands out and why, to me, it works so well and better than the movies that we've talked about in the past, from especially the ones from 89. But at this point now, you just you just got Nora and, and Rodrigo just kind of hanging out going, what the fuck are we going to do? <laughs> right. Right. And they're just kind of stuck, man. And, and at the same time, they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're guessing, was that an earthquake? What was that? We don't know what's going on either. We don't, and that, which again, it's such a massive right. selling point to any movie. Like, don't show us. I don't want to see what they don't see. Right. Exactly. I like the way that we sort of just, you know, again, this, they do a really nice job and we discover everything as they discover it. And uh, so they, they decide to kind of make their way out because they're going to, they want to get out of there. I mean, obviously they're concerned for their own lives. And at this point you have to assume most everybody's dead because 
of, right. <laughs> of having to shut it. Cause what you down. just saw. Yeah. So the, so they're in this engineering area and they said, you know, we need to escape pods and get out of here. Cause God knows what's going on around here. It's clearly not safe. <laughs> and, right. and they just assume that the rest of the people are dead. So they start making their way out. And along the way, they're kind of picking some people up. They pick up uh, TJ Miller, I think is the first person they pick yep. up. Right. Right. They, they like, uh, I think, you know, we hear his voice as he like, he hear, he hears them and he's like, ah, you know, and then we immediately hear TJ um, and we know exactly who he is. Yeah. They already passed him, I think. Right. Yeah. They, they went past him and then, <laughs> yes, they had to turn around and, and, and I mean, he was, you know, and he's buried, buried, buried under, under like, you know, 10 inches of, of cement blocks and everything from the collapse of certain portions of the rig. And uh, they get him out of there and he seems to be relatively, you know, unscathed, yeah. which is you know, good for him, man. Yeah. TJ Miller. <laughs> TJ Miller. There to provide a little bit of a uh, comic, comic relief, relief. one liners yes. here and there. And what's funny is usually they don't, they pretty much like they, they hit flat when you watch a, mo a movie like this, because especially the, 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 the level of tension that's been already built up is such a, I mean, we're only six minutes, seven minutes in and it's just, you're already feeling, yeah, yeah, get to the pods. Shut up, TJ. Get to the pods, man. <laughs> just get there. Again, they just have to assume, all right, well, TJ's going to probably be all we're going to be able to find along the way, especially after they find the next person they see is dead. And then, you know, they get to the captain. He's just kind of there hanging out, doing what the captain does. And and he says, I'm going down with the ship. When he's asked, why didn't you get in a pod and get out of here? <laughs> it's like, oh, I got shit to do. I'm a captain. Right. That's what I do. Now the group of four move on to a control base. And this is where we are introduced to Emily and Smith. One's a biologist and, and one's an engineer. And they're a couple. Yeah, they're a couple. And just, that's Jesse, that's Jesse Henwick and, and John Gallagher Jr., who you know from 10 Cloverfield Lane. You also know her from the Marvel series on Netflix, you know, from uh, Iron Fist, uh, The Defenders. And I think she was also in Luke Cage as well. Yep. Yeah, you, you, she's wonderful, and uh, she's really good in this too. So now that we we've got there's our cast, man. There, there's our entire cast right there. They figure the only way out of there because all the pods are all the escape pods are damaged is to go to this facility that's a mile down and a mile across from where they're already at. When they're already six and a half miles down underneath the surface, and and uh, when they get there, then I don't know, escape. <laughs> Call for help because they don't Whenever have much gonna, oxygen left because this place is going to go. That they're right, I mean, the now. whole place is leaking like a sieve at this point. Yeah, this, this is the Kepler that they're on, just so we can, just in case we mention it again later. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the whole the whole thing's about to fucking implode. Yeah. So the robot, yeah, the robot is where they're trying to get to. That's like their that's their big bad station. And was it? And then, did they ever say is it done or is it like? I mean, I never. Understood. No, I think it's. I think it's not. I don't think it's done yet. But I think there's yeah. areas of it that are secured because they had people on there, right, um, doing the work, right. Yes. So there are that. That's what. That's what the whole. You know, we have to walk a mile. Blah blah blah. Has anybody ever done this before, other than to repair stuff on the exterior wall of the Roebuck? You right. know. So we know they're going to a place that probably hasn't been compromised, but it's not <laughs> hopefully, finished. Hopefully. Hopefully. Right. It's, it's only compromised because it's unfinished. Yeah. You know, th there's a great moment too. And I really just think it was so good. You know, when they're all kind of talking with a captain who suggests, Hey, you know, we're going to get in these suits and we're going to go mile. We're going to drop down another mile and then walk a mile across. And they're like going, are you high? Are you crazy? You, can you just admit that we're This is, this could kill us. And then right. his He's response like, is so yeah, great. His response is great. Can you just admit that it could save us? 
Vinny Casal given that perfect delivery. He's already being the stoic captain that he is by still being there, not peacing out. And uh, so he has this grand plan of getting into these amazing suits that you're about to, you're about to see. And you're just like, dude, what the hell, man? And the rest of them are like going, do you know, you know, those suits can't, aren't really made for that, right? <laughs> They're not made for being that low. They don't hold oxygen at that depth for very long. So the whole plan was to go to different parts. It's not just a straight mile down and mile nope. across. Of course not. They're they're hitting it's little too easy. checkpoints, kind of like a video game, to pull out their oxygen pods and then put new oxygen pods in. Again, another this I mean, seriously, these suits are so fucking cool. They're realistic enough, but also futuristic enough and believable in the way they're built and designed and sold to an audience that just like that's fucking rad, dude. It's really Yeah, it's very it's very much aliens. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it, it again, I just cuz I just watched Deep Star 6. Similar suits, they're just the updated versions kind of of the, of the suits that they have to wear. The, the helmets are very similar. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of it looks legit. It doesn't look, it, it looks real. Like, yes, this is what would be there. Not as opposed to like, hey, some costume designer. <laughs> we designed this, like, you know, it It all works. You know, the whole world works. I mean, it's really, um, you know, it's not super flashy design, but it's, pretty fucking great when you, you know, some of those shots like in the halls and things yeah. are amazing looking Yeah, and the exterior stuff, which I'm sure is mostly CGI, but it looks good. Yeah. And that's another thing too. I think most of the movie was shot dry for wet, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, I would imagine. You, the, the marriage of the two is it's just perfect. You, again, you get that rare, it's that rarity. And I hate to say that it's rare these days, but just the marriage of, physical with the digital usually doesn't work as well as it does in this fashion, especially for a movie that had a lot of decisions that were made after principle were over, not just editorial, but in post-production and some designing of a lot of things that we see in the movie. It's another reason why the movie took so long to get released too. Yeah. I was curious. I know it was shot, you know, it took three years for it to see the light of day and it's also kind of dumped it in January. So I feel like either that was Disney just don't really, didn't really care about it because they acquired it from Fox and they're like, right. Oh, well, let's just throw it out there. It's an $80 million movie. You know, I mean, it made 40, which isn't terrible considering no, it, it really didn't have a push. It didn't have no, a push. It, no, it, not at all. I don't do it. I don't remember seeing uh, any ads for it at all. And except for maybe like the week before it came, I started seeing posters around Dallas. But yeah, I mean, if you're familiar with this type of movie, you kind of know what's coming next. Right. You know, they're they're making their way. You know, they, they they've set the goal. That they told you where they're going. Now they have to get there without being without bad shit happening to them, and it's probably not going to happen. No. I bet you there's some bad shit that happens along the way. Oh, I'm going to bet it starts up. I mean, it's already started. Uh, it just gets worse. You know, not only, but some of the, God, some of the deaths in this thing. Holy shit. Yeah. And that's another, another unique thing about the movie is the, the, the deaths happen in a, and again, something new that you hadn't seen before, even though you've seen, I mean, how many, how many deaths do you see in those other three movies that we've talked about from, from water movies that we've talked about? They all, everybody dies. Granted, you know, one of them already becomes part of the, part of the one entity, like the thing, but that's, but with this man, people die like real life deaths in this. Yeah. That's even though there is a, there are baddies in this underwater baddies in this. Right. Well, the thing that it's cool is that they don't all die. It's not like the creature doesn't kill every one of them. Uh, you know, there are other things that, you know, faulty equipment, uh, the situation itself, uh, you know, so not only are not only 
are those things happening? Um, you know, there is some creature of some kind <laughs> out there, out there as well. Uh, so you know, you you know what what? So you're wondering what is going to get these guys? You know, and I, I, they again, like I said, they've done a really nice job of like, you know, they're doing a nice job of winding this up. You know, the tension. Like I said, it's made me. You know, it's and I'd already seen it. And last night, I want to say was probably more anxious <laughs> than when I saw it in the theater. Yeah. The movie as a whole sets things up and doesn't feel very heavy handed with the exposition. No, 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 no. It's lean. Right. You have that one moment where you just kind of, where you're told, hey man, these suits can't take that. And so you've already set the, the aspect of the situation beyond whatever underwater awfulness is out there, <laughs> just the situation itself. So, I mean, they're all suited up now in these amazing suits. Like, again, we cannot possibly right. describe how fucking cool they are. Dude, I mean, I literally, I want one. I, I want one. And I think everybody <laughs> that's seen the movie says the same thing. I mean, I hope, I mean, I hope. And if they're not, I wish they're real. You know, it's, it's right. It's pretty cool. And I can't tell you, see that, that I can't say that about any other thing that I've seen in this kind of genre type of movie or subgenre where I'm like, yeah, I wish that was real. I wish that was real. I'm like, you just know how, how cool something like that would be. Dude, I would love to be wearing one instead of a mask right now. Just have the whole helmet and everything on. I'd feel be safe, the best, man. I'd feel like the only thing that could hurt me is if if I imploded. <laughs> the threat of implosion is the always threat there. of implosion. <laughs> it's kind of there now, though, isn't it? Though, yeah, the of threat course. Of implosion. Always. <laughs> now the the worst thing we have right now is you know foggy glasses. Yes, fogged up glasses. I can't, <laughs> dude. I have to tell you. Every time I've watched the movie since it all came, you know, post, you know, COVID-19 lockdown, right? I've always like going, dude, it's so rad that she doesn't have any fog in her, <laughs> inside her. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like so cool. Anyway, so they're off then. They're off and they're running. And I mean, like we, like you said, we know what happens in movies like this. And, and what's also really cool is a lot of what happens in this movie you haven't seen before. No, totally. And I think that's what makes it stand out so much. Yeah, that's why I hesitate to, you know, I don't want to say too much for people who haven't seen this because, I mean, you, you think you've seen this, but there you you haven't seen this no. version of this movie. Not at all. This type of movie. Now, when I saw the movie, it, first time I rented it. And the two previous times I've seen it have been both on HBO Max. I mean, the moment after I finished last night, I ordered it right away on, on Optical because I'm like, dude, I... I, I should have after the first time I saw it. I'm like, man, I really like this movie. And I'm like, and I, like again, we talked before, we don't make lists. We just kind of say, this is my best of list. We don't do that. I just say, hey, these are the things I enjoyed the most this year. Yeah, and it's not always totally. it's not always things from 2020. Sometimes it's stuff I've discovered for the first time that are 20 years old. So that's why I never say my favorite things from 2020. Right. But, but I instantly ordered the movie because I was like, yes, yeah, fucking badass. And uh, I, I mean, I hate giving Disney more money. Right. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I I ended up ordering it with a. You know, I had a gift card, or I have a gift card. Had a gift card balance on Amazon, so I just, you know, I just digitally own it now. I have been. I haven't talked to anybody that hasn't loved the crap out of it. And if they say that they haven't, it's just maybe because they didn't see the movie, or maybe they just didn't see it in the right setting, or whatever. Yeah, 
I remember when I, when, it, when I remember when I, I remember here, I'll, I'll be completely honest for me going in, my biggest question mark was Kristen Stewart. I was like, Oh really? I, am I going to enjoy a Kristen Stewart movie? And the answer is yes. Uh, yeah. she's great in it. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I, I liked her in the Joan Jett movie and I, you know, and I thought I've never seen any of the twilight movies, but you know, I liked her as a kid in panic room. Um, but I thought she was in this, she's almost unrecognizable with that, uh, you know, that blonde Miley Cyrus haircut, <laughs> if I could. Yeah. I mean, literally she's un- unrecognizable. You know, she reminds me of in the moment I saw her and with that haircut and, and everything, Lori Patty. Yeah, totally. Right away. Right. And I thought From about point break. Yeah. And I thought about how badass she was in tank girl. And I mean, that's what I, mm-hmm. then that's why I instantly kind of, I immediately connected with her, which is really weird because I, other than the runaways, I haven't been a big fan of her work. Right. And I mean, panic room, she's wonderful, but you know, she doesn't do a lot in it, but she, man, she looks like, a, she looks like an asthmatic dying in that though. <laughs> so yeah, totally. I, and I think over the years with her, I've become more fond, maybe more open to her work because of the kind of shit that she's had to combat in her personal life and having people always up her ass, taking photos of her and not let her just be who she wants to be and needs to be, to be happy. And I'm like, and because I, because uh, I had such a fondness for that, that attitude, like, fuck you, everybody, leave me alone. Let me be, let me live my life. I've become more affectionate towards her work. And I think it's one of the reasons why I would connect with it. And, you know, we talked earlier about, about how, familiar a lot of things are but in this movie she's like she's like ripley in this she's also ash she's also dallas i mean she's yeah she's like an amalgam of almost every character in the first alien movie and because she encompasses everything we all hope we would be in a situation like that recognizing things are dire but still like going i don't have a choice but to face this thing head on and fucking get us to safety it's funny because I would say it, it to me, there's like a little nod to alien three Ripley, yes. um, you know, with the shaved head or not shaved head, but the short hair, um, the glasses that she's wearing, you know, the, also the way that the movie's shot, it looks very much, um, you know, it's got kind of a, I don't want to say Fincher-esque vibe to it, but you know, it has that, um, that antiseptic vibe to it. Then when you first see her in the bath, in the, you know, in the bathroom, brushing her teeth and giving her monologue to the mirror, it's very much, uh, it's got an alien, it had an alien three vibe to me. And it's not just like Ripley in it, but it's like, if you look at all of the inmates, <laughs> they all had that haircut, yeah. the glasses, the whole deal. That was my biggest thing going in. It was like, Oh, it's Kristen Stewart. You know, not that I'm not, I'm not, I don't not like not a fan, but I hadn't really seen her in a bunch, but the stuff I'd seen her in, I was always like, yeah, it was good. And then, so seeing this and really it took me, you know, uh, probably two minutes to realize that was her. I was like, oh shit, that's her. (laughs) Um, Yeah, man. It's a, it's a, it's a really, you know, she gives a great performance. Yeah. Probably the best performance in the movie and everybody's good. Yeah. And everybody's good. And that, and I think that too, is like everybody around them, just everybody just delivers what they're supposed to deliver. And that's nothing too about it. The situation is like, I think the script is really short. I mean, for somebody that, that I, you saw it. So I, I have to feel it's super, it's again, it's already a trim movie. It's only 95 minutes. And if you go by the whole adage, you know, a minute, a page of a script. Okay. I got a feeling this might be under, it might be 88 pages. I'm guessing. Yeah, man. Cause it's I want to say be it's, super, it's, 
Yeah, yeah. It's ninety five with your opening credits and your uh, close, your end crawl, and um, you know, it, I want to say it's probably eighty eight to eighty to ninety minutes. Yeah. of running time, right? Right. And because that's the thing, the, the dialogue is sparse. Dialogue is pertinent to what's happening. And that's yes. one of the other strengths to it, too. It does. We, we don't have tons of exposition. We're finding out everything while they're finding it out, right. um, you know, which really lends to this kind of movie. Right. Uh, I, show me, don't tell me is always my big thing right. in these kind of movies. And they literally are showing you're seeing, you're seeing it all at, as it's happening. There's not a lot of you know, hey, the, you know, you're not getting that like, okay. And so here, here's a video. Oh, whoa, what is that? Oh my gosh. That's a, you know, you're not, you're not looking at security footage or tapes. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, man. I mean, they, they did a really great job with this and uh, you know, it's a shame that it didn't get, but I guess, you know, it's a blessing in disguise that it came out in January of last year because it was able to, you know, rake in 40 million worldwide. Right. Uh, because 20 years ago, 30 years ago, this is a summer type movie. Even oh, yeah. 10 years ago, five years ago, it's a summer release. Man, can you imagine if they would have, this would, this movie would have just been, you know, straight to, it would, we wouldn't have seen it yet, <laughs> or it would have just gone straight to uh, streaming or, you right. know, something else. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to see it in a theater. Um, and, you know, I want to say it's probably the last big movie, you know, the movie that like felt right. like I needed to see in a theater. It's the last one I saw in a theater. Right. Everything else I saw after that, before the shutdown wasn't, you know, wasn't an, like, you know, to me, this is kind of like an event movie. I would, you know, I would have gone to see this uh, in the summer. Interesting. And yeah. Cassell's great. Yeah. And, and that 40 million that it made, I bet you would have, I bet you would, it would have been a hit. I bet you would have done 120, 130 domestically if this came out in her heyday of, of Twilight. Oh fame, yeah. You know? Sure. But, but at the same time, Twilight era, Kristen Stewart's not making a movie like this. No, not at all. No. I mean, this is, I feel like this is her trying to rebrand herself, right? I mean, it's been 10 years since the last Twilight movie. Does that sound right? Oh, it's been, it's been a long time. I mean, she time. was in the snow was she was in Snow White and the Huntsman, I think, right? Right. And that's definitely after, and that is 2013, maybe 2012. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I feel like you know we're 10 years removed from the you know the Twilight version of Kristen Stewart. Right. right. And, and and you know, and the thing is that she's done a lot of things recently. I've I've been really fond of, and like I said, but it's all small stuff, like an American Ultra. Even though it's it's uh, a stylized movie. It is very much, it's not a, it's not a big, it's not a big movie. It's a, it's, a, it's big in scope, but it's not a big expensive movie. Personal Shopper, I thought she was wonderful in. Um, and then of course she got back to that big studio stuff with Charlie's Angels a couple of years ago, <laughs> a reboot of a reboot, right? And she was wonderful in that. And she's only, and I'd go into that movie, she's the only one of the three actresses that I knew well. I mean, I knew of the other two, but not as well as I knew her work. Right. And it was super fun and it made a lot. And it's funny too. I remember when, when Charlie's angels came out, they're like, Oh geez, another one of these. And I go, people don't remember how many actual angels there were when the, during the TV run, weren't there like seven, six, right? The initial three. Yeah. Well, there was Shelly Hack and Shelly Cheryl Ladd, Cheryl Ladd, Farrah Fawcett, Sabrina, Kelly. I think there was probably one. We're, didn't we're they for, replace, and uh, we're forgetting one, one big one, right? It was Tanya Roberts. There it is. <laughs> We can talk about her so much. I'm like, I wasn't forgetting her. And I was just wanting to make sure she got, she got mentioned. That's all. She's really wonderful in this. And uh, it makes you, there's definitely a point where she stopped. It seemed to me like she stopped working on movies that 
her reps wanted her to do. Yeah, totally. Were they always thinking about, all right, where's my payday going to be for this instead of letting her do something that she wanted to do? And if you look at her recent work, like I said, I'd say the last eight, nine, 10 roles that she's done, she chose 100% because she knew she'd have fun doing it. Well, what's crazy, man, is she, she's only 30. She just turned 30. (laughs) She's only going to be 31 in April, which is crazy to do that. I mean, when we first got introduced to her in Panic Room, right, wasn't it? Well, it's close to one of the first things, right? So that was 98? 2002. Oh, yeah, 2002. Right, right, right. Yeah. She was 12. Yeah. Underwater was the first big movie that came out last year in 2020. Came out the 10th. But she also closed 2020 with one of the sweetest movies that you're ever going to see. And that was Happiest Season. That was on Hulu. Super, again, usually these kinds of movies I'm not into as far as, I mean, you know how I am about romantic comedies. I love them. But to see something with this kind of cast, this is, it's very reminiscent of Home for the Holidays. And it's really, really, really sweet. It's on Hulu. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's really good. But no, again, overall, the cast is wonderful. But I agree, we can't, I think we obviously can't. Yeah, we, we can't disclose too much. We can't agree more about sharing too much. I think it's kind of how we're going to do things going forward. We really don't want to, we want you guys to enjoy it as much as we do. And I'm, like, I'm just curious, you know, <laughs> we've been curious. Are we ruining right. things for people? <laughs> You know, well, I mean, part of it, you know, part of it is, are we, and then part of it, we're not, you know, but again, I I feel like there's certain things that we really, you know, like, like something like this, which probably, you know, it's only, it's a year old, but again, it came out at the beginning of the pandemic and kind of got lost in the shuffle. I don't know that a lot of people have, but now that people have access to it, I don't want to, you know, I I don't want to do the movie a disservice uh, and people's viewing enjoyment by, you know, giving away what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and to who it's going to happen. So I do that. That's that's poop. We don't want to do that. I mean, (laughs) I enjoy this movie on several levels. I mean, the design of it's fucking amazing. I mean, it's, you know, again, I'll I'll keep saying the way it was shot. Like, I, like, I think I said, I don't know if I said this or maybe I said this before we started recording. There's a point where I felt like I was on a ride. Like I was sitting in a car. I was, it was like when I used to go to, you know, do you ever go to, uh, do you ever go, did you, have you, did you ever do the uh, Aerosmith interactive roller coaster (laughs) at Disney World? I did that where you literally sit in a car and you're, the cars look like a limo and you're, you're, you're driving around through life. I mean, I felt like I was literally in a car at universal. Like I was about to take the Scorpion King <laughs> ride, uh, roller coaster ride, but that's what it feels like. It feels like literally like, you know, again, and it's the way it's shot and it's the way they think they tell the story. And, you know, um, you know, it's very, it's very immersive, this movie. Yeah, it's that's a, that's a hard sell. And, uh, you know, especially for, you know, I saw the trailer and was like, mm, eh. I mean, yeah, I've seen the Leviathan. I've seen Deep Star Six. I've seen the Abyss. What is this movie going to give me? But this movie gave me a lot of stuff that I didn't expect. Right. A lot. I think that's why it only did that, you know, sub 41 mil. It, I think it really would have done. Uh, put a lot more people in the seats if it was properly advertised. Cause if like, like we both talked about, it felt like something we've already seen before and then didn't look like anything we wanted to see again. There was something about it. I don't know what it was. You and I talked about it before we ended up putting on our Kickstart. Uh, and uh, but there was something you and I both saw. We're like, this actually looks, you know, and I actually, now I want to see it. And, but I think another thing too, that kind of hurt it too is, is the, is the kind of on the nose. <laughs> title you know what i mean yeah totally it, it sounds like it sounds more like a documentary than it sounds like an intriguing underwater thriller right even when i say it now to people underwater like 
Oh, is that the Kristen Stewart one? That's the response I get for people who haven't seen yeah. it. I'm like, no, totally. no, no, you want to see it. It's like it's on HBO Max. And by the way, it still is as of the the second. It still is on HBO Max, which is good. I was concerned that we were going to talk about it. <laughs> it was going to be gone. Right. I have a feeling HBO Max is going to hold on for a couple of months, but we'll see. But it's still, it's a movie worth owning. Even if it's a blind buy for you, it's worth owning. It's wonderful. Yeah, man. And I think Amazon, I think it was, uh, I think I, it was a uh, 6.99. For the digital? Yep. That's great. Yeah. Usually you see those kinds of breaks though too, right? When once it's on a on a service like HBO, yeah. Right, exactly. You know, and it's really the only way you could. Uh, it's the only place you could stream it is on HBO or HBO Max. So if you don't have either one of those, uh, you know, you can't rent it uh, from Amazon uh, or Apple. You have to. I mean, it's a buy only kind of thing at the moment. Really, that's yeah. and that's unique yeah. too. They usually don't see yep. that. That's funny. I don't know. I don't know if that's some sort of thing, but you know, it like I say, it's it's definitely worth the six ninety nine. And if you were going to buy it, for the rent it for three ninety nine, or I think the five it was five ninety nine for the HD rental. If there was one, you know, just buy it for six ninety nine. Yeah, you're not going to regret it. That's one thing for sure. It's like no, it's definitely something you can go back and revisit. Yeah, yeah, and I'm looking forward to the BTS on this because I don't know how expansive it is, but oh, I'm sure it's yeah, man. I got to get into that stuff. I'm looking forward to it. I think that's all we can really say about underwater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look again. We it's a it's a really underrated, fun you know movie, and without you know ruining it for everybody, I think that is about all we can say about it. Right at this point, just have fun with. It. Oh, and by the way, if you really really want to get down, um, Marco Batrami and uh, Brandon Roberts were the ones that composed, combined composed the film. Oh score. yeah. The film score is fantastic. Uh, pick it up if you don't already have it, but it is available on Spotify and Apple Music if you, if that's your way of consuming music. See, and I didn't realize how good that was and how atmospheric it was because in the context of the movies, all I ever heard it, but when I was driving to work the other day, I listened to it and it's really just something else. It's a great headphone album if you haven't heard it yet. And it's, again, fun stuff. Well, the other thing I'm going to say is you also get a little Avril Lavigne because you do hear a little SpongeBob. Yes. In this. <laughs> I was like, wait a sec. Yeah. So, hey, man. So maybe that's your motivation to There's check your it motiv- out. But whatever it is, <laughs> you know, if you're a fan of SpongeBob, you got to see this. Yes. Yeah, man. Uh, again, and TJ Miller is, uh, like I said, there's not a bad performance in it. TJ Miller is doing his TJ Miller thing, but they're using it exactly as they should. I, I have nothing, nothing but good things to say about this movie. I, I feel like it's, uh, it was one of those. It's like when you, it's like when you discover something and then you want to share it with everybody, but you don't want to. You know, it's like, hey, dude, listen to this album. <laughs> I'll burn it for you. You know, but you don't want to tell them what tracks to listen to. You just want them to fucking, you know, check it out. Right. All right. Well, there you go. So if you, you want to tag along and follow us on Letterbox, I'm at Corey underscore Culp, and we're also on on Patreon which has been great. Thank you, Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow me at Letterboxd, you can find me at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom Cody. 